Podster, episode 1, story 1, The Shack, music by Philip Sard, from the classic film, Ghost Story. Somewhere in the middle of Kaupau's Hulu Forest in western Kalim... Kalima... Kalima... Kalimantan, in western Borneo, Indonesia. Okay, Indonesia, that's what Dr. Dre smells like, so... Somewhere in the middle of the Kaupau's Hulu Forest in a place that smells like Dr. Dre, you could find an abandoned wooden shack. Because, of course you would. That's exactly why you're there. Uh, This wooden shack would not be visible in the daytime, and it doesn't always exist every day because of... But that, yeah, cool. Why would it? Uh, though, if you are lucky enough, you could encounter this wooden shack if you fulfill these requirements. There's four requirements here. Okay. So, number one don't enter the forest barefoot. And I think this is just good advice in general. You know, I'm a city dude. Like, it's like, treat it like hate street. You know, don't even wear flip flops, for real. Just, just don't do that. Okay. Number two, don't bring any kind of needles, especially sewing needles or any sharp hyphen pointed objects that resemble needles, period. Okay, that just completely uh, ruins my plans for what I was going to do in the woods, but okay. I'm sure this is leading somewhere, so you have to trust. You have to trust the creepypasta wikia, or else the demon will uh, just... Demons do really gnarly stuff to you and they do it forever and you just you don't want that because after a while you're gonna realize this just sucks and there's nothing you can do about it. So, okay. Don't bring any needles. Number three, bring a nail clipper. Newly bought. Yo, for real though. Don't be bringing that that stank, that old stank nail clipper you've been using for like ten years. It's all rusted and stuff. You've been like hacking away at them thick old toenails and like digging stuff and filing things out with a little hooky, filey thing. Yeah, seriously. Demons, they might wallow in their own shit, but they really are offended by gross nail clippers. So make sure that you bring a br- stop at the corner store on the way. You do it before you go to Dolores Park. You get the corkscrew. You get a new one because you forgot that you had one. That's why you have 12 at home. So seriously. Just just go get a new nail clipper. It's like five bucks. It's worth it. It's worth not being molested by demons in the face for the rest of your life because you didn't want to spend five bucks on some nail clippers. Okay. Okay, so... Excuse me. Number three, bring a nail clipper, newly bought, and make sure all of your fingernails haven't been trimmed. Pardon me. Haven't. Should have read the whole thing first. Okay. Uh, number four, if you are a smoker, 
Refrain yourself from smoking and don't bring any cigarettes with you, period. They didn't say anything about weed, so I think I'm okay. You must enter the forest between 6 o'clock p.m. to 6 o'clock and 6 minutes past p.m. So, okay, so you can enter the woods from any area of the forest. Well, that's obvious, but your first step into the woods must be done with your left leg if you want to start the search. After that, walk straight or uh, gaily forward, whichever you choose. And don't turn into any directions. Uh, I'm not sure how that's possible, but okay. Uh, I think I get to just, like, don't... Just keep going straight, is what they're saying. Just keep denying the fact that you'd rather be with someone of the same sex. Uh, if there's an obstacle keeping you from going straight, like religion, I guess, you must tackle that obstacle at any cost. I thoroughly agree. Don't ever look behind you. <laughs> oh, man. I'm leaving that one alone. Okay. Don't ever look behind you, or you won't be seen anymore. Walk straight until you bump yourself into a very giant tree. Uh, I have a friend who came out to me a few years ago, and I'm pretty sure he told me a story about, you know, pride, where this happened once, and I know where this is going, so let's just call this all subtext right here. This giant tree has a weird green-colored stain that resembles a human face on the side that you're facing. Trim both of your little fingernails with a nail clipper, and leave the trimmed nails in the ground closely to the side of the giant tree. After that, comma, continue walking by taking a left from that tree. If you forget to trim your fingernails there, a shadowy creature will appear from the giant tree and catch you. It will tear all your fingernails apart, leaving your fingers to bleed. Your fingers will be in pain, like it's burning on every tip of your fingers. Then, that creature will disappear and you may continue your search. So that's cool. At least he lets you do, you know, but he's like, you know, fuck your fingernails. Uh, walk straight like before. Seriously, stop with the sachet chante. Just walk straight. And don't look behind you. Don't fucking look at me. After ten minutes, you will start to hear some whispering in the air. <sighs> Around five minutes after you start hearing the whispering, you will hear an eardrum hyphen splitting scream. At this point onward, don't ever let your mind blank. If you fail to keep your mind busy, the whispering will take over your mind and you will be driven insane. There is no closing your ear shut. Uh, there is no closing your ear shut. Just, that's what it says. I, okay. It will take around 30 minutes for you bump It will take around 30 minutes for you to bump into another giant tree. Oh jeez. <laughs> You've just been waiting for this your entire life. The whispering won't be heard and you don't need to keep your mind busy anymore. This tree has a similar similar green hyphen colored stain, but this time it will resemble your lover's face. If you don't have any lover for the time being, it will show your future lover's face. Okay, that's cool. This time, trim both of your index fingernails and leave it on the ground like what you did before. Isn't that like a Lil John song? Leave it on the ground like what you did before. Been a DJ for 20 years. Forgive me. Continue walking and turn right this time instead of wrong like you've been doing your entire life. And keep walking straight like before, you fairy. Stop it. 
The demons, they're not ready for that yet. They still haven't got will and grace, okay? They, they don't know about it yet. They don't know that everybody's cool. Like, they're, they're very threatened. Uh, okay. Um, if you failed to trim your little fingernails when you encountered the first giant tree, you won't have any fingernail left on your hands. That's what it says. You won't have any fingernail left on your hands. That shadowy creature from before will appear again to catch you, and it will feast on your brain. You will slowly lose your sanity, and then your consciousness. You will wither and eventually die. Which, I think, honestly, that's kind of like, thank you, Captain Obvious, there, because if something is feasting on your brain, I think you're gonna die you're gonna die because zombies they're not the kind of zombies that we that are in the movies it's not gonna how that's not how it's gonna be if if someone chomps your skull open and and pulls the brain out of the head there's no more person and i know it seems like there's a lot of people out there walking around that don't have a brain in their heads that's not true they do have brains in their heads there are functioning brains in their heads they function they do function, and they're delicious. So if you so if you if you succeeded to continue your search after walking straight for nearly twenty minutes, which must have been torture, especially with that Bronski beat tape that you brought with you. I mean, good lord! You will arrive at an empty land surrounded by the woods. There is an uncertain chance that the shack will be there if you're unlucky you won't see the shack anywhere oh they threw me i thought it was going to be the other way around but <laughs> instead you will see a red wooden door in the middle of the area before you enter this door knock it seven times oh shit party rock knocking the door open the door and you will found yourself back outside the forest comma and rewarded with a little empty piece of paper now, I, I need to uh, just make a, a point here. I wasn't, you know, I, I mean, I was okay in English. That was kind of what I did when I was younger and full of hope and, and, uh, and hatred. Now it's just hatred. Uh, I don't remember much about any of it, but one thing I do know is that having a comma and the word and after it is redundant. It's one or the other. It's, it's not necessary to have both. So open the door comma, and you will found yourself back outside the forest, comma, and rewarded. That, that's not necessary. Just go open the door, and you will found yourself back outside the forest and rewarded with a little empty piece of paper. Or open the door, you will found yourself back outside the forest, rewarded with a little empty piece of paper. And I say found because that's the word they used, so uh, that's, that's the word. Okay. You can write down a wish on the paper comma, and in the seventh day, after that, your wish will be granted. But in the eighth day, you will be chased down by the shadowy being, that fucker! <laughs> if you get caught, it will tear your limbs apart, rip open your chest, and eat your insides, and make you listen to Matchbox 20, all while you're alive. That asshole! What a fucking prick. Seriously. Seriously. Like... Why aren't you just trying to at least, like, get a nut shot in or something, like, you know, that hurt him, bite him back. Seriously, bite his nipple off. If you survive somehow, in order to keep that shadowy being 
from ever appearing again. You must eat a newborn baby once in a week. You don't have any other attempts to find the shack again, because the shadowy being will kill you the instant you enter the forest again. So, yeah, you better eat those babies. Okay. Failing at knocking the door seven times, Party Rock and knocking the door, will throw you back outside the forest, comma, and you will forget everything. Literally everything, comma, including your name, period. It will be a waste if you forgot who is your future lover, comma, right, question mark. In a mere six hours, a tiny black hole will appear before you and suck in your body. Your body will be torn apart before being sucked in. Do you wonder what these shadowy creatures are? You will be one of them. So they're you. Uh, Now, if you're lucky, the shack will be there in that area. Before entering that shack... Knock that door exactly six times, yo. The door won't open if you knock more or less than six. The door will be open. Go inside the shack and you will meet a human figure sitting in the center of the rizum. There is also an empty chair in the front of them. It can be a male or female. The chair? The chair? Uh, is, is Okay, there's a person. Okay, there's a person. In, there's a chair in front of the people. Or the person. It's a person. It can be a male or a female, but it always shares the same features. With what? Okay. Two bloodshot eyes wearing a long, dirty cloth, a disfigured body, and many stitches on the unclothed skin. The person will always wield a stone knife in their right palm. Pay attention to that stone knife. Upon looking at you, this person will ask a question in your native language. It will ask your name and your mother's name. Answer that truthfully, or this person will jump at you and stab you in the heart with a stone knife. That actually sounds like my mother, so she would know if I was lying. Don't avert your gaze from this person. Let the gaze go. It's okay. They, they usually are very good at diffusing situations. Very friendly people. He or she will get angry and stab you in the heart, comma, too. Okay. After that, sit on the empty... I don't even remember why we're doing this. I Okay, after that, sit on the empty chair, and now it's your turn to ask him slash her three questions. You can ask about the secrets of the universe, existence of God, who your destined lover is, your future, if you're gonna get a car for your birthday, if... Taylor Swift is gonna nerf her. After the second question is answered, you will notice that the body is getting shrunk by a bit. When he slash she is about to answer your third question, you must snatch the stone knife from their hand. Okay. Do it quickly, and then stab their left eye. (laughs) Yes, I'm on board. In that instant, your head will feel like it's going to explode. Bear the pain with all of your power, because if you are unable to bear it, your head will explode, comma, capitalized, literally. You must escape from the shack after you stab that person in the eye. No fucking shit. If you listen to this person until he, she has finished their answer for your third question, you will be eaten alive by them. If you're able to leave the shack unharmed, the shack will then disappear. You will find yourself returned to the empty area. But now a green door will appear. And Marilyn Chambers is behind it, so be careful. Now trim your thumbs, fingernails, and leave it in front of the green door to open it. Failing at this step will trap you in this place. The headache will intensify, and your head will... It's going to explode. You know you know already. Your head's going to explode. you got to do... 
If you succeeded at sucking, I mean, if you succeeded, open the door and go into the dark tunnel. That's not code for anything. At the end of the tunnel, you will find yourself returned to the outside of the forest. The painful headache will be gone. Oh. And you're granted with unlimited knowledge of the universe. Even the ability to foresee the future. But don't you even try to share this knowledge by any means. If you fail to keep it for yourself, you will lose all of your senses. First, well, first your eyes will disappear. Leaving your eye sockets hollow, you'll bite your own tongue and swallow it. Your ears disappear like it's not there to begin with, so does your nose. Your skin will be ripped from your body, leaving your flesh and veins exposed, and you simply can't die. Immortal, but in such a curse and pain. Now... If you fail to escape from that horrified human figure, he, she will lock you on a steel table. You'll be mummified alive by them. You'll be forced to drink a green liquid that will liquefy your insides, then bandaged like every mummy out there. They will bury you outside the shack. Soon your body will become one with the woods. If you don't listen to me and forget not to bring any needles, you will face the worst curse. You won't be able to escape that shack after stabbing that person in the eye. You will be frozen, and those needles you brought will multiply and um, multiply multiply they'll be like hell needles be like piercing your body again and again after your body is shattered into pieces it will be sewn together again full of stitches everywhere you're granted with unlimited knowledge inside your head but now you're a mindless doll waiting for another human to seek answer from the shack you will serve as the shack's occupant, like anyone else before you. And you will ask for my address when I'm buying batteries. I'm trying to find out who signed this. The categories are ritual, places, and dismemberment. So I guess that means it's like, a, you know, when you're not a member of something anymore. But, um... Yeah, no one signed it. Okay. That was the shack. Creepy Monster Episode 1 Story 2 Danny was a necrophiliac Music by Darto Desking from the incredibly disturbing German film Necromantic So before I, I read you this story I, uh, I have to tell you the genesis for this podcast basically came from my insomnia. I used to think I suffered from insomnia. Now I realize how much I'm actually benefiting from the insomnia because that's when all the really weird ideas come. And when I'm trying to just kind of calm my brain down and just be in a good mood and just kind of get tired, I read creepy pasta. And uh, my brain reacts to it because it's just so much fun to read these stories. Some of them are amazing, and some of them are crazy, and some of them are great, and some of them are just like, what the f did I just read? And 
you know, I keep trying to, I was trying to develop this show, and the other night I read this story, and my brain went nuts, and I realized that with this story, this podcast might be possible, so this is it, so this is the first episode, and you know, just to give you some background, this is the catalyst right here, right here. This story I'm about to read you right here. Okay, uh, let's just go into it. Uh, definitely not safe for work. This story submitted by a man or a woman or a man, woman, by the name of I Created You is called Danny was a necrophiliac. That's the title. Here's the first line. Danny was a necrophiliac. <laughs> Comma. That was no secret to him. Nightly trips to the graveyard were not uncommon, for lack of a better word. He worked there to begin with. Dude, see, that's what you gotta do. You gotta find what you love, and you gotta do that. Yeah. What a deal, right? The exact guy who gets his jacks off to dead people got to watch over them every night, make sure that no one else entered the graveyard after hours. And no one could see what he was doing. And since he worked so closely with the graveyard, it made his task of cleaning up any messes all the more easy. He had perfected his timing with everything. So basically, this guy's the Ron Jeremy of necrophiliacs. Although there was only one issue. Only one, okay. <laughs> Just only one issue here. Danny only went for the new bodies. See, that's the problem. You know, you need not discriminate when it comes to fucking the dead. <laughs> I feel like you're not discriminating at all in the first place. But okay. Let's just, we're going to suspend disbelief. We're going to go on this ride. We're on this ride. Danny only went for the new bodies. He wanted the ones that still had flesh on them. Although, yes, they did stink a little more considering they were in the decomposing process. Sorry, there's a little bit of vomit in my mouth. I need to sip a little beer here for a second. Give me just a second. Okay. Ah. But recently, Danny had not been lucky enough in getting newer bodies. Hey, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. You get in a rut, you know. Sometimes it's okay to be by yourself for a while. Uh, He shook his head, sending shaggy brown hair falling into his face as he looked over the graveyard. All old dirt. All completely settled into the ground. Most of them were headstones with a typical writing on them that said, Loving husband and father, or even, Born too soon and gone too soon. I don't quite get that one. And stuff of the nature. That's what it says. And stuff of the nature. He never read the messages, though. It made it feel too much... Like he was actually getting to know the body. See, no, see, he he don't love them hoes. He just like, you dead. I ain't trying to know you, okay? And strangely enough, it made him uncomfortable. (laughs) 
fucking a dead person's not making him uncomfortable. What makes him uncomfortable is the eye contact. The rotting eye contact. Because for some reason, he's emoting with this dead person. I, I, okay, I'm, I'm going to reserve my judgment. We're just going to keep going. Okay. Okay. He let out a resigned sigh as he rested on one of the benches near the gate. There was a little guest house that they had at the back of the graveyard that he could sit in while he wasn't busy. Fucking corpses. It even had a television, but it was dark, and the graveyard was located on the outskirts of a pretty small town. See, that's the thing. You need to move somewhere where more people die. I, I think that would be the solution. But no one would disturb him, and really, he loved the night, especially on a spring night such as this one. It wasn't too warm, and it wasn't too cold. If only the people in the town would die more often, this night would be even more perfect for Daddy to practice his favorite pastime. What's that? Oh yeah, dead fucking. But it's a small town. He could be patient, though. <laughs> It's good. He stared up at the moon curiously. The moon was a strange thing. It was full tonight, which was even more interesting. It seemed like it was full every night, or maybe that the only time that Danny ever really noticed it. He shrugged and pulled his pack of Marlboros and lighter from his jeans pocket. He put the cancer stick to his lips and flicked the lighter until a tiny orange flame erupted. Besides the moon, it was really only the light he had. Oh, sorry. Don't mean to butcher the language. Besides the moon, it was really the only light he had. Since he had forgotten his flashlight, all the way back at his apartment, the graveyard was too cheap to supply him with something as such as light. Those fuckers. Once the cigarette was lit, though, he was cast back into the darkness. He took a puff, allowing the smoke to fill his lungs, and then he gradually exhaled through both his mouth and his nose. The smoke spiraled into the air, only to disappear into nothingness. This was followed by a long, dramatic sigh from Danny, as he took another puff, ready to continue the process over and over again until the cigarette was too small to hold. So basically, Danny smoked a cigarette. Danny smirked, period. Um, and before I read this next line, I'm going to need another sip of this beer because this. <laughs> Just give me a... See, I can see it, you can't, and this is. Okay, hold on a second. Oh, good lord. Okay. Let's go. Okay, let me give you some context here. Let's go back. He took a puff, allowing the smoke to fill his lungs, and then he, <laughs> comma, and then he gradually exhaled through both of his mouth and his nose. The smoke spiraled into the air, comma, only to disappear into nothingness. This was followed by a long, dramatic sigh from Danny as he took another puff, ready to continue the process over and over again until the cigarette was too small to hold. Danny smirked. Danny was a chain-smoking necrophiliac. <laughs> he was about to stand up and make his rounds, like he did every hour or so when something across the way caught his eye. Something that wasn't exactly in the ordinary. <laughs> At first he thought that the moonlight playing off of the granite angel statue was playing tricks on him. He hated the thing. In fact, it was the only thing he hated. Fucking cock blocker. Its arms were lifted in the exact direction of the moon. It always... It was always like that. But as his eyes 
slid over it, he realized that it wasn't the statue that captured his attention. It was a figure walking along the path. It appeared to be a more slender frame, like that of a female, comma, and she was heading right for the marble stone mausoleum. Danny cursed. One of two things was going on. And I bet Frida knows about that. And if you're a record nerd, you know that reference. Either she was honestly a loved one of someone in that mausoleum, and for some reason she had snuck in at a different entrance, though he was sure she could have just waited until daytime, because he was trying to fuck this dead Or she was up to no good. <laughs> said the necrophiliac. Okay, or she was up to no good and was for the most part rather unpredictable. Uh, Believing the former would mean that life would most likely be easier for him, he would tell her to go, and she probably would. would But he was sure the latter was more likely. Now would have been a good time to actually be carrying his flashlight. He prepared himself for literally anything. Literally anything. He prepared himself for literally anything he could think of as he headed towards the mausoleum. Comma. And even smiled at his... I'm sorry. It's the only thing I remember from English class. You're not supposed to do that. Okay. He prepared himself for literally anything he could think of as he headed towards the mausoleum, comma, and even smiled at himself as he thought how funny it would be if the person so happened to be a necrophiliac, just like him. But at the same time, he knew he wouldn't want that. That's too much competition. He's got like, yo, he got he got the graveyard and locked down, yo, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what face there? He would then have to betray everything he believed in and kick them out, mostly out of wanting the bodies to himself. Oh God! When he got to the mausoleum, he was met with an eerie silence, comma, and he could see that the entrance was completely empty, even in the dark. Until he saw that the door at the back was slightly ajar. Was it's a door? It's oh, that means okay. His heart sank as he scurried to find his lighter. The statue was not the only thing that he hated. Well, that's obvious. Going into the tombs late at night had to be on top of the list. Even for him, they were creepy and rather uninviting. He never actually checked on them until the sun had risen and he had more light. But once he actually got to the doorway, he could see that the torches on the walls that led underground were all lit. He was unsure of whether that made him feel better or worse. Sure, it wasn't much light, but it was enough to guide him down the dirt-covered stone steps. He grabbed one from the holder, and immediately... Sorry. He grabbed one from the holder, comma, and immediately felt the warmth of the fire radiating from it. It was almost comforting. He began his descent. When he got down there, he didn't see anything at first as it took several moments for his eyes to adjust to his surroundings. The room was full of coffins, but they were all pretty old, too. He shivered at the stale, chilly air that hit him. He was in the process of moving the torch around when he saw something in the back of the room move. He cleared his throat. (laughs) Excuse me. Hello, is someone down there? He called, trying his hardest not to sound like he was about to piss his pants. 
There was not an answer, but instead he saw something shift in his peripheral vision. It was in the darkest recess of the tomb. Calm. And he thrust the torch in that direction. His jaw hit the floor at what he saw. Seductively fitting on one of the coffins with the woman. But she was no ordinary woman. She was the most sexy woman he had ever seen. Period. New paragraph. And she was completely naked. Period. New paragraph. Her skin was porcelain white, comma, and flawless at that. Dark red hair flowed down her back and seemed to stop right before her waist. So she must have a good stylist. What's her number? Her eyes were big, comma, brown, comma, and the most beautiful things Danny had ever seen. He wanted those eyes. He must have those eyes. Where's my knife? Her lips plump and coated in crimson lipstick. New paragraph. But oh, it was that body that made his pants stiffen so much that he jumped in surprise. Uh huh. Cause this is my song for real. Oh, the bodies make them feel. Her breasts were perfect handfuls of round flesh, comma, and her body was that of the athletic build. <laughs> Strong but lean and curvy. Her hips wide, comma, and her ass appeared as round as her breasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, you know, you know, she's like that Kardashian kind of thing, you know, because like I feel like most people that aren't from Armenia or Fresno don't even know that Armenia women just look like that and you should just not even be impressed with Kardashian because for real that's normal <laughs> alright go to Fresno her hips wide comma and her ass appeared as round as her brias Danny could not speak of course not 15 year old boy writing this apparently he was just a college student with bad lungs and a love for the dead but part of him had always felt that love for the dead was because no living girls had ever given him the time of day. And now here was this one. She was smiling at him seductively, and she motioned for him to come over to her, but she did not speak as she hopped off of the coffin and stood waiting. When he finally got the nerve to move towards her, she embraced him. Well, that's good. That's how it always works out. It was gentle at first, but then she made sure to pull his body firmly against hers, still not uttering a single word. He could feel every curve and crevice of her, and he was sure she could feel him. Because he's probably got a boner. His pants were getting so tight. Yeah, he's got a boner. His pants were getting so tight, it began to hurt him. Oh, poor necrophiliac. So he did the logical thing, and he slit them up. It's logical. That's very logical there. It's one of the only logical things you've done so far in this story. She seemed pleased with this, and that's good. See, because you always want consent. Remember that. She seemed pleased with this and roughly pressed her lips to his. He pushed her against the wall and excitedly kissed her back, using one hand to cup her butt and the other one of her brioche. But something wasn't right as she moaned into his mouth. Her once lost flesh began 
feel rough, comma, and even like she had lizard skin, period. Her mouth was no longer, wait, no, her mouth no longer tasted sweet against his, comma, and instead reminded him of what tar tasted like the one time he had gotten it in his mouth when his father worked construction. The room stank of decay. The woman didn't notice as she continued to try and hoist herself up on Danny's hips. She was trying to mount him. Wow, what a terrible thing to do. But he knew it wouldn't work because fear tends to make things less stiff. You would think the smell of decay would be old news to him, but this was the first time he had ever smelled anything as bad as this. You know, because he's a necrophiliac. This smelled like it had been rotting for the last hundred years. And it was her. <laughs> he pushed her away in horror, grabbing the torch from the holder he had set it in, comma, and used it to illuminate her. The last thing Danny saw before he died, comma, was something from everyone's worst nightmares. She screeched at the light and tried to whip it out of his hands, but he backed up protectively, still too shocked to realize he should be wicked running by now. But she was bald now, comma, and where her eyes were once brown, they were black. She no longer had lips, but instead all that he could see were rows upon rows of sharp, jagged teeth. Her skin did in fact have scaled. I repeat, her skin did in fact have scaled, comma, and it was the color of mud. Ooze seemed to be dripping off of it now. She hissed at him again. He did the only logical thing he could think of to do, and threw the torch at her. He missed. Fear was all he knew as he turned to run, his heart going a million miles per minute. But just as he was about to hit the bottom step, she lunged for his ankle and caught it. He hit the ground and she proceeded to climb on top of his half-naked body. And then she ripped a chunk of his thigh out with her teeth. What a fucking bitch. Like, seriously, come on. Crimson covered his legs as she crawled up farther up on him, and for the first time she made a human sound. It was laughter, comma, as she sunk her teeth into his throat. And it's obvious that this person wrote this after the first woman that ever broke his fucking heart. Take another little piece of my Okay, man, you just listen to Nick Cave's Murder Ballads or like the self-titled Ghetto Boys album for a while and just keep it to yourself. You'll get the aggression. It's cool. But I like your story. Creepy Pasta, Episode 1, Story 3, File, Music Taken from the Incredibly Disturbing Film, Video Drone. Creepy pasta, creepy pasta, creepy, creepy pasta, pasta, creepy, creepy. Okay. Uh, this one right here. Uh, the title is uh, capital P H I L E. I don't know if that's file or filler, Phil. I'm not sure which one it is. But what I do know about this story is that it is a ritual pasta. And ritual pasta is, is one of my favorite type of pastas because they're fucking insane. Because most of them... And this one is not actually... Uh, 
It's not typical of a ritual pasta, but it does follow the same idea. It's kind of like a choose your adventure, but if you choose wrong, you're just dead. You're fucking dead. But, yeah, okay. Most, <laughs> most ritual pastas, they start with something like, in any city, in any town, go to the local blah, 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 and ask for the ritual holder of Narmanar, and someone will be like, you're stupid, and they'll put you in a dark place and run, and don't look behind you, because if you do, you'll run into the dark forever, and your feet are going to hurt, and it's going to suck, and you'll get blisters, and yeah. And then eventually you get an object or something, usually. But some of the ritual ones are, uh, you know, about summoning demons, demons, divided humans, uh, things like that. Uh, I forgot which one this one's about. So let's rediscover it again together. Feely, file, Phil. Phil. <laughs> and uh, let's see, does it say who wrote this? No, it doesn't. All right, pardon me to burp here real quick. I will be editing that out. Alright. Phil. Phil. What you made. A weapon that took a human life. A pen. Or any writing utensil that requires ink. An aged piece of paper. A cork. Spiked shoes. A strong mind. And most importantly, from what I can tell here, a will to live. Phil is a dimension that takes the form of a grotesque matter, like, uh, shaped like a flippid semi-sphere of mangled and distorted creatures not seen by humans. In the center of the mass is a large, whole-riddled object. <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to really nail that line. I, I love words. <laughs> In the center of the mass is a large, whole hyphen riddled object, described by some as a green breadstick. The holes extend far beyond how they should be, <laughs> due to the object's thin appearance. Some claim the holes lead to small pocket dimensions, while others claim they lead to different planes of reality. Encompassing the objects described is a strange, pale hyphen green ring, with objects protruding from it that cannot be described. The sky is just a blank white. What's even more disturbing is a murmuring that can be heard from far beyond where the object is. Many who have done the ritual feel like they were being watched personally by the devil himself. Some also report briefly imagining several faces on the edge of the matter they stand on. I don't really get that. Next section. The ritual. Do all of the following while standing up. First off, put on the spiked shoes. They must have spikes on the bottom. You must use the above description, the pen, comma, and the paper to draw what you believe the dimension looks like. Should your mind be able to comprehend it, you will ultimately draw a somewhat accurate depiction of the dimension. You must use the weapon that took a human life, comma, and cut yourself with it. 
it is highly recommended to use a knife as a gun would be way more painful calm uh, and takes more effort actually I think the gun takes less effort but yeah it would suck more just all you really want to do is just you just want a little little stabby stab right just like a little like you know like a little tension cut there like you know yeah nobody loves me that's all you really need grab the cork comma and place it on the cut area wait until you stop bleeding hold the cork in your left hand right if left handed and the weapon in your right hand left if left handed stare at the paper then begin to imagine yourself in the dimension you must continuously focus on it only comma and let no stray thoughts distract you this is your opportunity to give up if you wish if you continue you must remain focused if the blackness of your eyelids turns yellow you are close when it turns white you must make your eyes blink while it's still closed. Then open them. Your vision will be somewhat blurry. Regardless of it, you have visual assistance. Okay. The spike shoes you wear will stop the creatures beneath you from pulling you under. If you have no spike shoes on, or you are sitting, they will simply drag you under, comma, and you will awake with the area you cut infected. Badly. You'll get a really nasty infection if you don't wear your spike shoes. They'll pull you down and they'll infect your cuts, so you better wear them, okay? Jeez. You must focus on the tall object before you, comma, and focus on a particular hole. Look at the hole you feel is staring at you. <laughs> I'm just flashing back to a particular John Waters movie. Okay. Look at the hole you feel. Ah, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, this is leading somewhere, I swear. It's leading somewhere where I, I feel like I have to look up a word. Okay. God. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Alright. Um, look at the hole you feel is staring at you. This may be harder for people with tripophobia. <laughs> T R Y P O P H O B I A. Tripophobia. <laughs> Throw the cork toward the hole. The one that was staring at you. Regardless of how bad you throw it, it will land in the hole. Oh, what a value judgment. A black liquid will seep out of the hole, then run back up into it. It is unknown what occurs if one is to fail in throwing the cork at the, quote, staring hole, unquote, capitalized. Okay, raise your arms and shout, I wish to look beyond the box my mind creates. The next time you blink, you'll be back wherever you were. I don't remember where the fuck that was. Okay. You will be able to think more rationally. However, do not think about things such as the beginning of time or other complicated matters the mind cannot comprehend. If you are to do so, you will be pulled out of time, comma, and become a watcher, unable to interact, only able to observe. Do you desire limitless knowledge or do you desire to be human? 
one cannot be the other. Oh, oh, it's written by all capital letters. Don't look for me. Creepy Pasta, Episode 1, Story 4, The Poet, Music by Jerry Goldsmith from the documentary about Donald Trump, The Omen. <sighs> I always consider myself a literary type, so this one called The Poet, it's called The Poet. That caught my interest, so of course I want to see what's up with The Poet. It starts like this. Please note... This is the first time I've posted a creepypasta, comma, and what I have to share is an actual event that happened earlier this year. No one knew about this because I was afraid of being called crazy. But then I found this site, a whole community of people who share crazy shit like I'm about to do. So here it goes. Considering my obsession with composing literature, I have a strong love for poetry. I often write my own based on my emotions or thoughts of the day. At the start of 2012, I was diagnosed with depression and I'm currently being treated for it to this day. So, during the duration of the year, the poetry I wrote was considered exceptionally dark by most. Every day is Halloween. I enjoyed reading my poems aloud, but only to those who can genuinely appreciate it. To make a long story short, I stumbled upon a community of people with similar taste in poetry. People who organized meetings weekly. Based on the Dead Poets Society, obviously, we gathered once a week in a church, branch of the Cavalry Chapel, the founder purchased. Precisely at 11.30 p.m. on Saturday, you had until 11.37 to be inside and seated. Failure in doing so meant absolutely no entry whatsoever because those big church doors were locked and bolted. I've always been good with time management, so showing up on time was no big deal. We called ourselves the voice in the dark. A few months after my initiation passed and I began to feel happy, like I had my family to see on Saturdays. For the first time in a long time, I was happy. Our schedule inside the church was very uniform. One person would read their composition, then the next, then the next, and so forth. We had to just be done by 12.30. Our set of rules was easy. Applaud after each reader, comma, and use inside voices, no verbal interruptions. Most importantly, though, outside the church, there was no church. First rule about church, don't talk about church. And have really good abs like Brad Pitt. Under no circumstances did we ever speak of it at all. This rule had the most emphasis for some reason. I guess they didn't want just anybody walking in there, and to this day I still have no idea. One night, well, my last night at the church was something I will never forget. 
I was in the church. A few readers got up and read, and proceeded to sit back down shortly after. But then something different happened. A man I've never seen before approaches the podium, and he spoke Spanish. The first person I'd ever seen who didn't speak English in the church. Weird, I thought to myself. He took a spot and began to read. This is when events became a little too disturbing for me to handle, if you know what I mean. The stranger began to smile as he read, but I couldn't understand why. I mean, after all, I am definitely not bilingual. He began to smile even wider and even started laughing. About five minutes passed and it was making me too uncomfortable. I got up to, quote, go to the bathroom, unquote, until I knew he had finished. From the restroom I could hear his voice muffled but couldn't make out the words. As the stranger proceeded reading his poem, the volume and intensity of the man's voice began to raise, louder and angrier by the second. He began to scream in a sinister-like tone. I can honestly say at this point, I was terrified. Goal! Goal! No. Oh. Because seriously, I'm Mexican, and that just sounds like when people talk to each other, but okay. Then instantly, the voice completely stopped. Thirty seconds passed, and then a different voice started again, but this voice wasn't muffled. It was crystal clear, but there was no way it was a different reader. Like I said, only thirty seconds had passed. No way they could transition speakers that fast, but I wasn't hearing anything I'd ever heard before. The language is what I thought to be someone speaking in tongues. I'm going to repeat that sentence. The language is what I thought to be someone speaking in tongues. Semicolon. I couldn't make it out to be anything else. The intensity shot up. Far more loud and angry than the first voice. I heard screaming in this bizarre language. I sat there completely mortified. And then once again, silence. The sweet feeling of relief overcame me. I stood up and reached for the doorknob of the little bathroom. Oh, we're in the bathroom. Suddenly I fell to my knees, my ears ringing. I've never been so stunned. I heard the loudest banging sound I had ever heard in my entire life. Even louder than that time, I heard my parents through the bedroom wall. With my hands covering my ears, I opened the door and stumble out. Down the aisle. Smoke misted up from each of the benches. I stumble off my knees and onto my feet towards the middle of the rows. What I saw will haunt me forever. My heart sank when I witnessed all 36 members slouched over in their seats, completely and utterly lifeless. <laughs> Fucking Mexican. I'm Mexican, so I can say that I'm not being racist. In all their laps lay a .44 magnum comma, all smoking from the openings of the hot barrels, period. The 36 members have a gaping hole in the top of their head from the multiple suicides, period. My body sank, period. 
I was appalled at this horror, comma, I couldn't believe my eyes, period. The man reading was nowhere to be found, dead or alive. Because of those Mexicans, they know how to drive with the handcuffs on. That's why they have those tiny steering wheels. He was gone, vanished. I called the police, and I was taken in for questioning. They must have thought I was Mexican, too. I can't explain these events. What happened? Who was that man? Why was I the one not killed? But the last thing I can remember hearing from that man was, I am the voice in the dark. Pinchy away. No way, pinchy away. Creepy Pasta, Episode 1, Story 5, A Small Radio, Music by John Carpenter from the 70s High School Comedy, Carrie. I believe this is another ritual pasta. Those are my favorites. This one is called... Uh, God, I feel like I got a fucking burp. This one is called A Small Radio. During October 30, comma, at 11.59 at night, go outside. Draw an oval into the dirt with your hands. If you use any tools... It will not work. Place your phone on vibrate comma and set it in the middle of the shape. You must keep your focus on the phone. Because if you look away, there's a good chance it might vanish. Did I not mention? Something wants to stop you. And for real, like nowadays, the worst thing that could ever happen to you is like if your phone went away. You can't see it. You can't touch it. It can see you, but not touch you. It's kind of like Clay Aiken. Because if he was invisible, he could just watch you in your room. Try not to take much note of that horrifying fucking song. Fuck American Idol. Okay. At 12.15, you should receive a call from a private number. Don't answer. No one knows what happens, but there's a good chance you will die. Again. Take no note of that. Yeah, don't fucking worry about that. Just don't answer your phone. You won't die. Don't even worry about it. Just don't even worry about it. Okay. After a while, you should receive a text from the same number. That one's safe to read. It's safe to read. It will disclose a number which is safe to call. Call it, you fucking psychotic idiot. Call it and make... Uh... Call it, comma, and make sure to keep it on speaker, for remember, you can't break focus. If you call it, some man with a deep, raspy voice will answer. It will be silent for a minute or two, then he will ask you for your address. Tell him. It's okay. You need to. He will agree to send you a package. 
two nights later at 11.59. They will. As soon as the clock strikes 11.59, they will appear without warning, except a knock on the door. If you open the door, you will find a package without warning, except for that knock on the door. And, of course, that you're expecting it. It is sealed tight in a blank cardboard box. If you open it, you will find a small radio. Put the batteries that come with it. Oh, sorry, I fucked that up. Put in the batteries that come with it. They will last you a year. Those are good batteries. At 12.15, tune the radio to AM 11.1, period. The man will speak in a deep mumble, untranslatable. You will feel a slight headache. Don't stop listening. It sounds like when Drake's on the radio for me, but yeah. Back to back like a buddy cop film. He will get louder. Oh, trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. Uh, he will get louder, comma, and your headache will grow more painful as he progresses. Oh, baby, I'm everything. We could do a real big motherfucker in an R&B song saying the F word. Don't stop listening. <laughs> At 12.25 exactly, he will stop. No, he won't. A joyful tune will play. Your headache is gone. As long as the radio plays, someone you hold dearest, such as your house... Wait, no, no, no. As long as the radio plays, somewhere you hold dearest, such as your house or car, you will gain endless amounts of good luck. It doesn't matter if you can hear it or not. You will win at every sport you play. You will pass every test you take. You will win every bet you make. Every move you make. I'll be watching you. You are undefeatable, but one day you will hear a loud pop. Start running. The batteries died. The thing can now see, comma, and touch you. And it wants to touch you. It's been watching you for a year in the shower and it wants to touch you. Ooh, paint your toenails in that color I like. I want to just lick your tiny little tiny little pinky toe. Please. I want to touch you. The batteries died thing can now see, comma, and touch you. It will stop you now, comma, and all you can do is keep running. It will get you eventually. In time. It will get you in time, Karis. Do it again. In time, Karis. In time. Written by Macaroni Art. Zombie, zombie, zombie. Hey. Oh God! Stop! Stop! Creepy Pasta Episode One Story Six She Theater Music by Danny Elf Person from the film Dolores Claiborne.
Okay, kitties. This one is called... Brashy the Eater. Hiding under my bed is someone or something. I can't comprehend his powers, but he is invisible, and I know no good can come from him. Sometimes at night I can hear him scratching, and then he crawls out from under my bed to call me to make my way downstairs. Every morning he howls away on a communication device that was made from the underworld to talk to the women... To talk to the woman... That's what it says. He was her last victim before she was cast into the fiery depths of hell. She is not beautiful, not nice, but she is a very misleading creature. She is more than a woman. She is a demon. She feeds off the pain of the suffering children. She steals from everyone. She's a very mysterious monster with her hands. She can turn one away from the other and split love into two. She is not fair. You cannot win her games. In chains of gold, no one can hold her. She will suck every single breath from your body to get what she wants. Her eyes are like dark oceans that never end. Her hair is like a storm cloud, ready to pour a great flood. She speaks in tongues to curse every living soul. She wants what she can't have, and she gets what she wants. Well, hold on. She wants what she can't have uh, and drink. She wants what she can't have and gets what she wants. Okay. Her hands are like sharp knives sticking into the bones of the human carcass she is feeding on. She starks in the darkest hours of the night for the one man that is weak. For there is only one man that is weak. And she wants him. How does she get him, you wonder? <laughs> well, let's see what it says next. Are you ready? First... She takes the form of a beautiful woman. <laughs> Someone she knows the man will like. So then, she then covers what she knows is terrifying. Herself. Oh God, someone got their feelings hurt. Her body is like a cracked mirror and she totally fucked my best friend. No good luck can come from her. First, she must get what every man wants. A body. This body she must obtain will not be a model, but it will be something in the taste of a prey. She cannot just pick, she cannot just pick one body off the side of the road. She must examine what is wanted to get what is needed. Once she has found the perfect costume to disguise her ugly outer shell, oh, then she must find out what the backstory is of her prey. She goes after the ones that are married, the ones who have children, or are happy, because there are only three types of people. Ones that are married, ones that have children, and people that are happy. <laughs> She tests 
them. This is just another game for her. Then she knows she can win, because she sucks. She must first place herself in this environment, a place where he is well-known and where she will be liked. I'm confused. But I'm going to keep reading this. I hope you're following it, because I'm actually confused. Uh, a church normally is her common ground. At a church, everyone is loved, unless you're a sinner and you haven't converted yet. She now has her place. She then looks for her prey every time the doors are open. She slowly begins to get more and more involved in the church activities to get him to want her because you know what makes a guy's dick hard is when a girl's like, yeah, I'm working the motherfucking church bake sale, motherfucker. Yeah, you want this monkey? Ding, 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 ding. No, no, never, 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 no, no, never, no. After he has seen her, at the church rummage sale and starts to lust for her. That's when she go for his wife and his kids, yo. I know you be watching that reality show. She becomes best friends with his wife and tells her secrets. When the wife has finally fallen for that trick, I mean for the trick, that's when the child will have to, period. When the wife has finally fallen for the trick, comma, that's when the child will have to, period. After the child has seen the mother and father begin to like this, quote, woman, unquote, it will naturally fall behind in their footsteps, amen. Once the family is in her hands, she then starts to possess the father. He disrupts his vows to his wife's, to his, he dis. <laughs> <laughs> he disrupts his vow to the wife and breaks the law of the Lord. The demon now has broken the marriage, and when the mother leaves, the demon has possessed the child to love her, not the mother. The demon now thinks she has gotten what she wants. He tries to leave the father, but won't let her go, and now he wants a ceremonial decision on their love, a marriage. She tries to run, but she is stuck. How did... How do we get rid of her? Do we let her marry the father? The child is now turned from loving to hating. The child must kill her. The child must destroy her. The child must cast her out. This is how the demon got placed into her eternal prison. She can't escape the eternal suffering. The curse is still on the father. This is like some Springer shit. He slowly turns into an invisible creature day by day, hiding under his child's bed. He is scared of the world. Everybody turned their backs on him. Oh, that's why he calls every morning. He hopes one day he will become a demon too, and not the father. Not... I, uh, this falls under the categories demon devil theory. Ritual. Well, that wraps up our first episode of Creepy Podsta. Uh, definitely uh, go and spend your uh, insomniac hours on creepypasta.wiki.org and also check out what I do www.dj4am.bandcamp.com. Uh, that's where you'll find most of what I do. This has been a production of the Vampire on a Pony label. 
Music selected and uh, molested by DJ 4AM. I am your announcer and main host, hopefully many, many uh, guest selectors and hosts to follow. Jason, never mind. Good night.